my definition of chasing passion is putting a, or finding something that you put all your time into and that you want to put all your time into. Welcome to the Chasing Passion Podcast. My name is Dom and I'm your host. Each week, I bring on a passionate person to help you discover your own passion in life and how to begin pursuing it. Thanks for spending some time with me today and let the episode begin. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. My mission, my goal, my duty is to interview people who are following their passion and doing what they love while making a living out of it. In this day and age, you can pretty much make a career out of whatever you want and in this podcast, I talk to individuals who are doing just that. Well, this week, we're joined by Brandon Desjolais. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Brandon is a professional longboard skater, content creator, and a marketing professional from Oregon. He made a name for himself primarily as a competitive downhill longboarder. He spends his time traveling around the world, longboarding, and teaching others through individual coaching, online tutorials, and his work as a head instructor at Camp Woodwings in France. He's also sponsored by several brands where he gets to travel for competitions and media opportunities. In 2017, he served as Vin Diesel's stunt double for the skateboarding scenes in the film Triple X, The Return of Alexander Cage. You can find him on all social media platforms including Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Snapchat, you name it. So just search Brandon Desjolais and you'll find him right there. Show notes for this episode can be found on chasingpassionpodcast.com forward slash 55. This week's Apple Podcast review highlight is from Parascati L, who gave the podcast a five-star rating, saying it's a wonderful podcast, insightful, and thought-provoking new podcast. If you wish to support the podcast, you might leave in a short review on Apple Podcast. It'll be greatly appreciated and it will help out so much. You can do that by searching Chasing Passion on Apple Podcast or just click the link in the episode description. And without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Brandon. Brandon, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. So I guess the first question I want to ask you is, you know, you've been doing skateboarding, longboarding for over 11 years now, and, you know, you've really dedicated your whole life to this. And I'd love to know what what was what was the turning point in your life that you're like, that's it, I want to pursue longboarding, I want to pursue skating for the rest of my life, this is it, this is my passion project. What made you do that? What made you get into it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess from the beginning, what really interested me about skating and longboarding is that it's a personal sport. You know, I was involved like doing basketball, baseball, football, all that shit in the beginning. And I'm super competitive. I love a challenge. Mm-hmm. And I love something like I can just go out and work on. And with team sports, I was lacking that personal growth a little bit. And so for me, longboarding was just like some random crazy shit where I was like going down hills way too fast, didn't know how to stop. And so I guess in the beginning, it was all about the rush. Um, but even just before longboarding, my biggest passion was photography and video. I was a big fan of Jackass, to be honest. And so I was like remaking a lot of these stunts. My parents uh, probably aren't too happy about that. And then moving <laughs> into bombing down crazy hills, they also weren't too stoked. But um, it was really like the passion of like video and doing fun things with my buddies and like recording it. It kind of just got me like hyped up in the beginning. Um, and then from there, it was just a way for me to progress, like as I went into my professional life and started working on more marketing and freelance, like social media and different things like this. Uh, it was super cool to use like what I built in longboarding my platform there to help kind of catalyze all these other things I wanted to do in my life. And that's kind of the stage I'm at right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I love the way you kind of build it up. You know, you did photography and you kind of build up your passions into eventually doing longboarding. And now, in a way, like you're doing longboarding, you're doing like marketing, you're doing all these things that you love around longboarding, which is really, really cool. And, you know, there's a lot of people who want to be longboarders or want to succeed or, I guess, make a living from skating as like just skating and Mm -hmm. doing it full time. And I'm curious to know why do you think you succeeded? Um, What made you stand out? You know, make money full-time and sustain yourself full-time by doing longboarding why do you think that happened what what separates you from the rest right i would say the biggest thing that separates me from some of my peers and some of the people i work with Mm -hmm. is that i genuinely love 
marketing. I love taking pictures. I love communicating with people. I love, you know, doing a lot of different PR and outreach, going to events, like teaching people. Like I really like all the things that go into being a uh, like compelling or an effective team rider. And so like where a lot of riders, they, they lack in some of those other abilities. Like maybe they're a phenomenal rider and they're super cool, but every time they go out and film, it's like, they have to go out and film. Every time they go out and take photos, it's like, Oh, they have to. And then, Oh right. fuck, I don't want to do social media and all oh, this sucks, you know? And so me, I love all those things so much to the point where it's like everything I do is motivating its own way and everything can kind of build off of each other. And so I think that's the main thing. It's just that I like so many of the small facets of what I do that other people don't necessarily like. Right. So you kind of have to in- enjoy what you do because that's where the inner motivation comes from. Is that why you're motivated? Because you love doing it and you're like, mm, this is this is really cool. I get to do this every day. I'm trying you know, photography, marketing, all these things, commuting it, communicating with people. Is that why you're motivated? Mm, it's an interesting question. Um, you know, we briefly spoke about this, um, but I've always been a long-term value type of person. Mm. Like I know that like, if you just like give, 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 eventually it's going to come back to you in some roundabout way. You can't expect it, but it always does. And so I was at a turning point probably when I was like 19, 20, where uh, longboarding was in a little bit of a downturn. So a lot of the really top sponsored riders weren't getting paid as much. So they weren't putting as much effort in. Mm. At the same time, I was like really on the come up and saw more of like a potential for myself. And so it was right when, let me think about this graph. So it was right when all all the professional riders at the time were kind of putting in less effort and I was like putting in more effort. So my goal then was to be the most valuable person on every team I worked with. Uh, not necessarily the most talented rider. There's definitely some guys that are better than me, but the most valuable rider. And so the turning point was after many years of doing this and basically making the equivalent of a dollar an hour, not in cash, but in like gear value, you know, it was like just, just working so much just to get wheels and just to get boards and whatever. Um, I finally had an opportunity uh, with Paramount Pictures to do this triple X film. And so that came about because Paramount called my sponsors and they're like, Hey, we need a guy. Who is it? And they said, for sure, Brandon. And so that was a way for me to be super validated. You know, I mean, that's five years ago, but that was like, wow. Okay. So all that time I was putting in just to get free gear in some weird roundabout way ended up being this opportunity it has blessed me with like so many other things. And, and that's been like my source of motivation probably for the past five years. Cause it really validated, like, I guess what I was doing and all the time I was putting in before. Yeah. And what I love about that story is, you know, the triple X action movie, um, that, you know, people can say you're lucky. People can say, you know, you've been given all these opportunities, you know, you, you, you made it just by luck, but that's not true because you've been, you, like you said, you've been, you know, working uh you know starbucks even just doing all these jobs and you know trying to buy gear for yourself buying wheels which probably cost about 50 70 dollars um, you, you you're buying all this stuff and you you were investing in yourself and in a way you created your own luck so i think that's a really really interesting um i think of it more like you know. serendipity yeah you know a lot of people are like ah, it's lucky or ah, you're blessed mm. and i would say for sure I am. I've been lucky in, in some ways, but uh, I think of it more like, you know, prepare yourself and put yourself in opportunities or in situations where opportunity can come, you know? And I think a lot of people, they're waiting to put in the effort when the opportunity arises. They're like, oh shit, somebody's looking to put somebody on the team. Okay, now I'm going to put in effort. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's not what happens. You have to be the first person people think of before the opportunity comes up. So when it does come up, you're the dude. Mm-hmm. Like that's what, that's what it is. And I think that's another thing that a lot of people could work on. A lot of people are here. Here's, here's a big one actually that I've been (laughs) thinking about recently is that so many people are worried and they spend so much time thinking about like, ah, is that the best choice to make? Like, should I be putting more time into social media? Should I change my job? Should I, whatever, do I need to do this? Should I start writing for that company? I don't know. Am I going to waste my time if I do that? And it's like, 
well, just do it. If you just mm-hmm. do it, you're going to like learn whether it's a waste of your time or not. But like sitting around debating whether something's a waste of your time is undoubtedly a waste of your time. Mm. So, yeah, for sure. I think that's why I struggled as well when I was younger. I used to be thinking, oh, is this really for me? Oh, do I really want to do this? But I think the best way to find out is um, to actually go out there and do it. And I think that's why I started this podcast as well. I was like, oh, I'm going to give this a go. I'm going to give this podcast a try and see if I enjoy it. And I enjoyed it and I kept it up ever since. So, yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. And, you know, you mentioned before that you look up to two people, your mentors. Um, I'm very curious, um, who are these people that you look up to? Who are your role models, I guess? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would say, like, the one common thread between all my all the people I look up to mm-hmm. is their super loving, super giving, uh, empathetic people. Mm. So, uh, one, one of the people I really look up to is a guy named EJ. He's, he was like some executive role for a company I was working for, uh, an electric skate company. Um, but what I really liked about him is he is super just like loving and is all about like giving to people and really like, brings everyone up to his level in a way or brings himself down to everyone else's level. And so it's really like motivating uh, to communicate with him and like, yeah, to find inspiration in like what he does. I mean, you know, he's super smart guy has, has been an executive at Levi's and Disney and all these different things. But I don't know, just from talking to him, he's like one of the most happy, nicest guys I've ever met. Mm. And I think to me, I find that really inspiring. I think, you know, I want to be a guy no matter where I'm at, Someone that's always happy and gives to people, you know. Yeah, I noticed that um, just by listening to your previous podcast interviews and just doing some homework for this podcast, um, you're a very helpful, genuine, honest, and just humble person. And do you think that's that's the reason why? Um, or do you think um, you were, like, I guess, what kind of principles do you keep in mind or what values do you live by, you know, to stay, um, mm. to, to continue being this person? Mm-hmm. Um, that's an interesting question and I haven't thought about it directly. I, I think like all of the people that I look up to that mm-hmm. are the happiest people, um, are confident in what they do mm-hmm. and they're always doing good things. Uh, I mean, that's not really a great answer maybe, but, but no, I think it just boils sense. down Right. I mean, it just boils down to like all the people that I see are the most happy are also the most loving and giving to others. You know, some of the people I see are the most, the most happy and successful are always very loving, very giving. They listen well. And so I just saw like a common thread there and I was like, well, that's literally what every single happy, successful person has. Like those are their traits. And so yeah, I just don't see like any other way to live, to be honest. Like that's kind of how it is. Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely right. And yeah, I, I've noticed a similar pattern, like all the like all the happy people who made it, basically, they just want to provide value. They just want to contribute towards society. And, you know, because they already made it. Um, and in a way, I think when you're happy on the inside, um, you don't really want to like tear anyone else's dreams apart you just kind of want to help them as much as possible because like nobody's in the way um like what the worst thing that can happen is nothing really so i guess just providing value to people is a really really good strategy (laughs) to you know Mm -hmm. succeed for your for your own self yeah and i'm curious to know um you know you've been um so social media tends to kind of, um, you know, portray the best side of t- best side of people. Um, you know, people post pictures that are just, you know, maybe in during the best part of their life. Um, what are your thoughts on social media and social media consumption? Because I, your job requires a huge amount of social media. I mean, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Snapchat, all these platforms you're using them. But um, what are your thoughts on social media and its consumption? Hmm really interesting uh i think most people have a pretty unhealthy relationship with social media consumption um i too myself at times everyone gets caught in like a yeah. scroll yeah 
scrollathon. <laughs> um, I've definitely done it, especially with TikTok. It's so easy. You just open up your phone and it's just like hilarious or entertaining just infinitely. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think like one of the things that helped me was trying to like really limit the time I spend consuming social media and put all that time into creating. So mm-hmm. a lot of people look at me and what I do and they go, fuck you. You just live on the internet. How do you post once a day on TikTok and Instagram? And how do you do all this stuff? And like, it must take forever. And I'm like, yeah, it takes like an hour or two a day. But like you're sitting on your phone for four hours a day watching other people's random shit. You know what I mean? So I think like social media has opened up so many doors for me and just like connected me to so many people, like a lot of my best friends in one way or another, the relationship was either started on social media or fostered through social media from a distance, you know, a lot of international friends and whatever. Um, So I think like, you know, social media can be super powerful and super like um, uniting in a way. But um, yeah, I think people should definitely, I don't know, create more. It'll keep you creative and uh, maybe just consume it a little bit less. Yeah. Or you can even consume it intelligently. For example, like if you want to, like if you're working on a particular project, you can like nearly consume people's ideas and kind of like pick, pick apart what ideas you like and implement them into your own little project. So yeah, social media is an interesting one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't think it's necessarily bad. I mean, I think, you know, before social media, kids were just, I mean, kids are still playing video games, Mm. but before social media, kids were watching TV for hours on end. You know what I mean? I don't know what they're doing before TV, probably just playing. That's a good thing. <laughs> but but I don't think social media necessarily like, you know, oh, now people are spending four, five, six, seven hours on the phone every day. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but like some of those same people are also spending four or five hours on TV every day. So I can't say that it's necessary contributing um, an exorbitant amount to people just wanting some sort of pastime to, you know, get them through the day. Um, and I think overall, like, you know, it, it, there's a lot of interesting new concepts you can expose yourself to new ideas and whatever. I think one of the hard parts with social media is it can be an echo chamber at times. So like, for example, um, I don't know, I don't want to get political necessarily, but you know, if you love longboarding, for example, Mm. you love longboarding, I open my phone and like, you know, half the shit that comes up is longboarding or from somebody that longboards or whatever. Mm. And so, you know, my internal, uh, you know, unconscious bias is going to think there's way more longboarders in the world. Maybe 3% of people longboard, but I'm probably going to think 5% of people longboard or 10% of people longboard just because I'm always seeing it. And I think that's the same with whatever. If you really are like, want to be an entrepreneur or something, and you're like, oh, I'm interested in that. You're looking up shit. It's like then only you see entrepreneur stuff. And so I think in a way, social media can be a little blinding. Like it can, if you're interested in something, it's just going to give you more of that. So especially with conflicting views, it can be quite uh, quite uh, detrimental, I think, because it can, I think, close one's mind in a way, if you're subconsciously always seeing ideas that are similar to yours and Mm. like yours subconsciously, it's hard to understand the perspective of the opposition, whatever that is, Mm. you know? Yeah. And I guess with social media, I guess now like the biggest skill that we should probably focus on is just the ability to focus, the ability to like eliminate distractions and focus on a specific task because, like you said, like, you know, people spend, what, four hours, five hours a day on social media, which is crazy. And all that time could be spent on other projects. So I think, like, the ability to focus now is extremely important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd almost like to see some sort of app where it can just give you a relevant breakdown or half an hour or an hour's, well, or just like an hour's worth of shit that is actually important to you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, instead of it just being like an endless whatever, like, I mean, Facebook doesn't want you to stop. Like, you know, the, the push notifications, the way it shows up, like they want you to spend every possible second. Like there's teams of people that are hired to get everybody to spend 1% more time and 1% more time and half a percent more time. All these 
notifications and all these little things. And it's super clever. It's super smart. Um, but I wish it'd be really interesting to see if somebody came out with something that's a little more stripped so we can get like the same or similar content, but it's not like uh, a black hole of information that's infinite. Yeah, no, that's a, that's an interesting idea actually. And you know, speaking of social media, you said you spend maybe one hour, two hours of your time per day producing content. Um, but what else do you do on a typical day? Like what does a typical day look like for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So currently, uh, I've got some f- freelance clients and mm-hmm. so it's like social media or e-commerce mm-hmm. or Google ads or whatever. Um, my main gig right now, just my one salary position that's like really locked in that I'm stoked on is a brand manager for this longboard company called Moonshine. So that's about, I'll say 15 to 30 hours a week, depending on the week. Let's just call it 20 hours. Um, the nice part about that, that's a lot of like, you know, connecting with team riders, reaching out to different skate shops. Um, it's a lot more like maintenance, you could say, like right. just, you know, doing email campaigns, like just general marketing stuff, e-commerce stuff. Um, so that takes a couple hours of my day every day. Um, I spend a couple hours probably working on my other freelance clients and then I spend a couple hours working on my own projects. Hmm. Yeah. And yeah. you're, um, you're always working on some sort of project and I'm curious to know what project are you most excited about to mm-hmm. release perhaps mm-hmm. or to share with the public? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. what are you working on? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I would say the one thing that I'm most excited about is getting more focused on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like I've had a YouTube account for 10 years mm. and I did a lot more with it back in 11, 2011, 2012. Um, because of my busy lifestyle and because of like, man, doing university and doing like managing his brand and doing freelance and trying to do my own shit the past couple of years, I've just been like swamped. Um, and don't get me wrong, I have plenty of time, mm. you know, to, to do other things as well. Um, but I just focus my effort more specifically on Instagram and TikTok platforms that take a lot less time to produce consistently. Mm. Like, for example, with mm, doing this series called Trick Tip Tuesday. And so that takes maybe, you know, half an hour to film, half an hour to edit, half an hour to put it together. Like, let's say about two hours in total. And that's something that goes on Instagram, goes on TikTok. Um, and a lot of people find a lot of value in that. But for me to put two hours into YouTube, that's going to get me 25% of one video. You know what I mean? So yeah. like I can do one tr- trick tip Tuesday every single week and it's awesome and people love it. Or I can make like one YouTube video a month with the same time or maybe less. Mm. You know? And so for a while I was like, in like an optimization phase Mm -hmm. so now i uh, just finished up university i've actually got like one more week of a class and then i got my degree in marketing so i'm hyped Mm -hmm. um but that's gonna like open up a lot of time for me you know Mm -hmm. it saves me in 10 uh, 20 30 plus hours per week and so i want to be putting that into content creation and like really creating compelling resources for youtube um since my tiktok account uh grew over the past, like, let's say year or so, um, I've been in a position where a lot of people reach out to me asking, like, how do they get into it? Like, what board do they buy? Like, how to do this, how to do that, how to do that. And I've been caught answering direct messages for a couple hours a day. That's actually another chunk of my time. Um, and that's been cool. Mm, but I'm really excited, that, you know, after thousands of messages to finally, like, make, like, some really compelling, like, resources. For people so there's that um, another thing I'm working on right now is like this apparel or like lifestyle brand mm-hmm. um, I don't know what it's called yet this is one of the shirts just says longboarding it's a vibe um, yeah how this kind of came together um, a lot of people were just asking like hey do you have merch like thank you so much for all the work you've done or like for helping me like what can I do to support you can I buy you a beer like you mm-hmm. know like what you know, and then it's interesting because when I got into rollerblading like six months ago, I was reaching out to a lot of the top rollerblade guys like, hey, man, like, how do I do this? How do I do that? What do I buy? And I found myself being compelled to 
buy these people beers. I was like, man, what, what can I do to support you guys? You guys spent all this time. Like it helped me out crazy amounts. Like you saved me money. Um, you made this so much easier. Like I found myself going like, how can I like, can I buy this dude a beer? Like what, you know, like is there, and a lot of people don't have something where people can directly support them. Mm. I'd say that's one of the biggest problems in like the longboarding community and probably, you know, other action sports as well. But it's like, we do a lot of work for brands, right? Like I, I've got a sponsor for wheels, for trucks, for boards, for the helmet, for gloves, for everything. Um, but anytime I want support for what I do, I have to ask for it, you know, which isn't always a bad thing. I think I'm good at asking and I, I'm pretty good at like putting it together, but a lot of people aren't, or a lot of people are kids, you know, they're 16, 17, 18. So they put all this work into the brand. They make videos, they do all these things. And then they have to like call, Hey guys, uh, can I have a hundred dollars to go to uh, this one event? And the brand's like, mm, uh, I don't know. Like maybe we'll give you 50 or uh, let's do next event, you know? And it's really easy for them to say no, even though in, re- in reality, a lot of times these riders are putting in way more, way more effort and value than they're getting in return. There's no like direct compensation. If you get a video with Red Bull and you get millions of views and you're all over the internet, you know, your sponsors don't call you and say, Hey, Brandon, your checks in the mail. You know, like I've, I've had videos with GoPro or videos with Red Bull or like, even like the thing with the movie, like no, none of my sponsors called me and said, Hey, Brandon, like, thanks for giving us a shit ton of exposure. Here's your check. It's like me two months later calling and being like, Hey guys, I really want to go on this trip. Here's what I can do. Blah, blah, blah. Here's what I need. Here's what I can provide. But it's always like asking, you know? And so I think like the real thing that's missing is a lot of people, guys like myself and there's a few other top riders that give so much back to the community and help out and people want a way to support them, but there's no way to do that directly. You know, I can recommend a board all I want and maybe the board company I work with, the truck company I work with, start selling a bunch of trucks, but there's no intrinsic motivation directly for me to put extra time into doing that. If I recommend a hundred people to buy trucks, or if I recommend five people to buy trucks, I still have to call my sponsor at the end of the month and ask for a hundred dollars, you know? And so what I wanted to build with this lifestyle brand, which is still kind of in like a beta mode right Mm -hmm. now, we just started doing some shirts. We're just kind of figuring out the back end. Uh, It's me and my buddy, Stuart Shepard. He's got like a print and uh, embroidery shop in Washington. And so we're basically figuring out the back end now with the goal of in the next um, month or so to release this and to do collaboration projects with different riders that, you know, I feel strongly about. So one of those is a guy, Jeff Corsi, he's a good friend of mine. He's a community leader in Paris, uh, but we're going to be doing like custom hats for him. So we're going to design everything, you know, put up all the money up front, write a story about him, do a video about him with the majority of the profits from these products going to Jeff specifically. So now Jeff not only has uh, a product that he loves, that he feels connected to, but also a way for him to make money directly. And it's all going to be like managed through me, through, through the website. Um, my friend Stuart's doing all the, you know, processing, all the fulfillment, all the, you know, we're doing like made to order. So we can keep mm. inventory super low and, you know, be really efficient with that. Um, but it's a way for Jeff and some other creators to have something that they can get directly compensated for and hopefully Mm. like feel more of a part of. Mm. And like, you know, making it like, how do you sustain yourself career wise? Like what are you, what's your ultimate kind of vision for where you're going in terms of career? Um, cause I guess you, you like, you're doing this apparel now, you're doing all these resources. Um, but I'm curious to know, like, how do you, what's your plan to sustain all this in the mm. future? And like, what's the long-term vision, I guess? Yeah, I would say let's, I don't like to think too long-term vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think sometimes it can be like a little bit blinding. Mm-hmm. You lose sight of the peripherals and the peripherals are the coolest, interesting, craziest opportunities, you know? Um, but what I see in the short term is basically the situation I have now is something like an agency where I have, you know, freelance clients that reach out to me, um, and, and I'll subcontract some of this work. 
So for example, I'm, I'm coaching a couple guys or like training a couple guys to kind of do what I do in a sense. And so what I see in the short to medium term is taking on more clients for freelance and then coaching um, guys that are, you know, really interested in it, want to do better and teaching them how to do it. So in this way, I can take on more clients. Uh, people that are interested in doing this type of work can get free help and training and clients because on their own, they wouldn't be able to get the clients I have or they wouldn't be able to charge the amount that I have. So I could see, um, you know, in the next like year or so, taking on more clients and then training people under me to help uh, manage everything. Hmm. So in a way, like being able to take on more, or in a way create not like create more jobs but give more opportunity to my friends that are interested and for me Mm -hmm. to make similar money but spend a little bit less time on the day-to-day tasks so i can focus more on uh growth you could say so like like i mentioned like i'm really passionate about creating some resources doing more youtube videos and just giving like right now i'm at a place in my life where I make enough money to sustain my very, very cheap lifestyle. And yeah. And now that I don't have university, um, I've got time. So I'm going to use my time to just create content. I'd like to, you know, do a podcast and I'd like to do other things, but I think like just by doing, I'm going to learn so much more. And so I'm, I'm not super eager to jump into a career with a big company unless it was something I really believed in and something I was really passionate about Mm. because I I know I can make similar money or a little bit less money at this stage in my life with way more flexibility. Mm. And, you know, I like to, I like to have that. I like to be able to, you know, the other day I went to Yosemite and just kind of tuned out for two days and that was nice. Mm. You know, I like to be able to say, okay, cool. If I want to go to Texas tomorrow, I can go to Texas. If I want to go here tomorrow, I can go. And I think that's opening up a little bit with uh, all the, you know, people getting normalized to working at home. Hmm. But, um, but still, I, I really, I really like to keep a flexible lifestyle. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you have a flexible lifestyle, you can pursue different projects. Whereas if you're in a job, you're kind of tied to, well, let's just say it's nine to five then you have very limited limited amount of time to work on your project afterwards besides the weekends. So I think like having that, you know, freedom to do what you want to do, I think that's extremely valuable for a creative person like yourself to, you know, pursue different projects. And for you, that's now apparel, um, resources on YouTube and so on. So yeah, I think that's a good perspective. Yeah. And, when you, and I think just... Yeah. No, go for it. No, sorry. sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say, um, yeah, I think, you, you know, you learn so much by doing. Yeah. And so like, you know, a lot of people can, you know, spend forever trying to learn about something, but I think just doing it, you're going to learn so much. Yeah. So that's always my thought on it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think Scott Adams has mentioned this before, like, you know, pick projects that you can fail at. So for example, if you pick a certain project and, you know, you're doing it, even if you fail, I mean, the, the, the skills that you've learned, the people that you've met, um, I think like just, I, I don't, I'm very bad at articulating this, but basically pick projects that you can't fail. So you like, when you do a certain project, when you finish it, you're going to meet lots of interesting people, you've developed skills and then you can progress towards the next stage of your career. And I think that's a, that's a good approach as well. You know, just picking projects that you can't fail because you're going to learn skills, you're going to meet people as a result. So, yeah. Right. And so for me, that that's one of the things actually that, that longboarding has really blessed me with mm. is that, you know, over the years I've, I've built this platform and I've built this network of people. So kind of no matter what I can do, there's a little bit of a safety net around it. If I do anything in longboarding, it's not nearly as intimidating because mm. it's going to have some degree of success. You know, I'm not going to, you're not going to see me writing starting a podcast about uh, bicycling or something. Mm-hmm. It would just be super scary. I wouldn't know where to start. I wouldn't know what to do. But I think, um, you know, for me, having that background in longboarding and having that, like, expertise, um, it makes it really comfortable to try new things and to, you know, have something to work on. Like, for example, I've got plenty of buddies coming out of university right now 
that have no experience, mm. that have nothing to work on, they're like, hey, I, I want to do a podcast or I'm really interested in doing e-commerce. What can I do with e-commerce? But they have nothing that they're passionate enough about or an expert enough about to start moving in that direction. Like, you know what I mean? If I didn't have longboarding and I didn't have a bunch of people reaching out to me about different things and I wasn't doing so much content, like I wouldn't start some random shirt company. Like it never crossed my mind. Hmm. You know what I mean? But by having like this expertise in this background in longboarding, I can be like, okay, cool. We're going to start beta mode so we can figure out the back end with shirts that just say longboarding. It's a vibe, you know? And so it was, um, it's been really nice to have something like that. I, I don't know what I would have done. Like, I would have sold uh, spoons, dropship. Like, I don't know. That sounds like pretty lame and boring. You know, yeah. like a lot of people nowadays are like, oh, I want to do dropshipping. I want to do this. Or I want to do this. I don't know. I've just been really blessed to have like uh, a cool community hmm. around me. Yeah. Yeah. And what I love about that is, you know, you're always doing stuff that you you love to do and it led you to, you know, you, you keep you keep climbing the ladder, I guess. You keep doing what you love. And even though, you know, you, you don't fully know what you're doing at the time, you're, you're learning and you're doing you're you're doing the action instead of, you know, thinking about it so i love the way you know you're doing this beta version for the apparel company because you're going to figure it out as you go so i think that's a really really cool strategy thanks man and you know when we think of when you think of misconceptions or what are the kind of popular misconceptions that people have about longboarding about skating in general uh what are what are the things that come to mind hmm um yeah i would say like if we're talking about longboarding and skating especially in the sponsorship realm Mm. a lot of riders assume that sponsored riders get everything paid for Mm. and in reality it's it's not that way it's all asking it's not like you just get a sponsorship one day and then cool you're on the payroll there's a there's only a handful of guys that have it that cush uh everyone else they're lucky to break even like even if you ride for the biggest board brand or the biggest truck brand, or the biggest wheel brand, it's like, yeah, they might pay a hundred dollars for travel, but you're going to spend a thousand, you know, they might give you all the wheels you need, but you still, it, it doesn't pay for everything. So I think, um, a lot of people think it's that, that, you know, everything's paid for. Um, and that once you're sponsored, like a lot of the hard work has kind of gone away. It's like, Oh, okay. Now you're sponsored. Now you just make cool videos and hang out. And it's like, actually like the amount of time it takes behind the scenes to get to an, to get to a point where like you're valuable. It takes a long time. And then there's a lot of upkeep too. You know, there, there's only a handful of riders that are being supported, you know, at any sort of level that could, you know, make you not have a day job. Um, but they put in a lot of work behind the scenes. It's not just one Instagram post a day. It's like planning out projects and planning out photo stuff and video stuff and, you know, really practicing. That's another thing Like practicing takes forever, mm. you know, to be at a point where you're good enough. So I'd say, yeah, there's just like a lot more that goes into it behind the scenes than people see on a surface level. Hmm. yeah and i agree i think like anytime you think of a certain career like like say an actor or a singer or an entrepreneur or a longboarder or a skater um we tend to associate you know that oh they have a good like instagram is looking well so all they have to do is post a picture and they're going to be making money and sustain themselves and blah 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 but in reality like like you said that's just simply not true like you have to put in the the dirty work the not the dirty work, but the things that are more boring, I guess, than, than, you know, skating around and just doing whatever. Like, you have to do the challenges, tasks. And like, like you said, it's, you know, video editing and all these things. But what, what are the behind the scenes? Like, what are the specific things that you have mm. to do to make it as a skater? Um, what mm. are the challenges that come with it? If somebody wants to pursue skating full-time, I'm just, I just want them to be aware of these kind of, mm. you know, challenges that they have to do because it's, you have to do these things in order to succeed. So I'm just, um, can you just kind of give us perspective on what the behind the scenes are, what the challenges are mm. behind skating and making it full-time? Mm-hmm. Right, right. That's, that's a really good question. Um, 
And I think we kind of touched on it in the beginning. And mm. one of the reasons I've been so successful is just that I like all the things that go into yeah. it. And so I'm like, okay, cool. Like I love photography and I love making videos. You know, that's part of it. Like that's one way you can give value to a brand either by making videos that go on your channel or by making videos specifically for them. Um, so I would say like to like the, the sponsored writer starter pack, as far as like what, what shit you got to put into this, um, an active social media presence helps, but is not the most important thing. That's one third of the pie. Mm. So one third of the pie is social media presence. One third of the pie is talent because talent's what gets views. Ultimately, if you're super talented, people are like, wow, that was epic. That's what influences people. So there's value in that. Uh, And number three is being like a really good, uh, really respected in the community and like really like encouraging to new riders, whether that's through, you know, doing lessons or doing tutorials or teaching people locally or putting on small events. I think it's kind of a blend between those three things. And so tactically speaking in the realm of social media, I think, you know, setting a goal. I think, uh, you know, back when I started, my goal was one post a day. Mm. And so I'd go out once a week and take, let's say, you know, 30 or 40 or 50 pictures with a buddy seven of them would be decent and those would be like the seven posts kind of that i used for that week you know you can do this with a gopro you can do this with a phone man i I shoot everything on my phone nowadays like you don't need anything special it's how you use it so i think yeah set a goal for yourself seven is a lot uh three is getting there but i think four to five is kind of the sweet spot um as far as social media goes, I think a lot of people fail to bring value. Um, you know, a lot of people, they'll, well, the reason why people watch your content, it's either like they find motivation in it, they find inspiration in it, it's educational, or it's really exciting. And so I think you also need to look at your content through that lens. If you're just going to post like some bullshit of your board that says awesome skate day, like, I don't know, people see it, but it's just like another, you know, sticker on a cluttered wall or something. Like it's nothing that's really going to stand out. So I think um, with social media, putting time into like, how can you talk about like the tricks that you're working on and like maybe the challenges you're having and how that could help other people? How could you talk about like the gear you're riding now? and how that has influenced your writing how can you talk about like something you learned today you know something you saw today that influenced your decision or something you wish you knew sooner and so i think like that is the one big thing that a lot of people you know lack on and if you break it down to simple advertising or marketing the message is the number one thing like you might see a billboard and it says nike just do it but like the amount of time that they put in to like that phrase, like there's probably hundreds of hours collectively, you know, into that phrase. It's like the billboard and the picture or the social media post is just the facade. That's just like the attention getter. It's actually like the meaning and the message behind the content that is the most valuable, you know? And so I think a lot of people, and I see this with a lot of my peers is that they're like, cool, I have a cool photo. And they're just like, boom, dope day at the beach. And they just like put it on the internet. But when people see it, there's nothing about it that's compelling. It's like, imagine seeing a Nike ad or something, but it was just like a picture of the shoes or something with no thought put behind it. It's like, oh, it's a cool picture of the shoes. Like the shoes are on fire and like, you know, it's sweet, but it's like, you know. So that's one thing tactically as far as social media goes. As far as getting talented. Mm -hmm. That's another part of the equation. Um, I would say just make small goals. You know, if you can skate every day, make it a goal, like half an hour, an hour a day. One thing that's really helped me over the years is to every time I start a session, I'm like, okay, cool. I got to land this three times in a row. I got to land this three times in a row, this three times in a row. Then I'm going to play around and then I'm going to end 
with like a similar thing. Like, okay, maybe I got to learn that, land that five times in a row now or whatever it is. But I'm like setting small goals for the tricks that I'm learning. So that like, I'm always making progress. I'm all, I'm like, okay, cool. I landed that once last week. That was awesome. I'm not leaving today until I land it twice, you know? And it might seem like something so small, like, okay, you land it once. Now you land it twice this week, like whatever. But it's like, if you do that every day or a couple times a week for years, like you're going to be phenomenal. So I think like just being consistent, putting in the time, that's where the results are going to come from, you know, always pushing yourself in whatever little way it might be with your abilities. As far as being a good community leader, um, I would say host small events. I think like they don't have to be like, there doesn't need to be a flyer, you know, there doesn't need to be sponsors, but just like making a group chat or being active in some sort of Facebook group or some sort of local, I don't know, maybe it's your 10 buddies you text with. But uh, I think by being the leader and by taking uh, a proactive role in like bringing people together, there's so much value in that because it's like, I've noticed that when I host small events, we'll throw it up on Facebook. There'll be like two kids I've never, ever seen before. They just randomly saw it on the internet, some forum or some Reddit, who knows? Um, but they show up and because of that interaction, they meet two or three people, you know, next weekend they're skating with a couple of those people. And then maybe two weeks from then they bring another friend. And so it's like perpetuating. Right. And so I think that's another thing that uh, a lot of people lack on is like, they almost don't want uh, the responsibility of putting together a full event, you know, they, but they don't maybe find enough validity in what they're doing if it's in such a small setting. So I think, you know, to kind of summarize that one, like just taking a proactive role in trying to include new people and trying to just be like really helpful and yeah, create small events and bring people together. Mm. I love them. So it really comes down to providing value and just, yeah, providing value and being good at what you do. And, you know, if you, if you had a chat with an 18 year old band, um, just before you were mm-hmm. starting out, um, on social media, um, taking all this very seriously, um, what advice would you give to yourself? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, I had some bit of a revelation when I was probably more like 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started longboarding. I was 14. Now I'm 25. Mm-hmm. But when I was about 16, I was like, Hmm, this looks super cool. I love mm-hmm. seeing what all these guys are doing. Like, what are they doing? And so I really started analyzing like, okay, cool. The top riders, they're doing three or four good photos a week. They're collaborating with each other and talking with each other. They're going on these trips. They're maybe making a video every two weeks. And so I just like really just tried to emulate what everyone else was doing that was really popular. Um, so for someone that's in that same phase, it's like, okay, maybe I want to be a professional writer or maybe I want to be whatever. Um, you know, you can listen to what I'm saying now, but honestly, like just watch what I do and it works. You know what I mean? Like find like a few people that you really look up to connect with them. Even if it's just reaching out and saying, Hey man, I really love what you do. Mm. Don't hesitate to reach out. If there's ever anything I can do to help you, you know, like maybe, maybe that's sharing some of their stuff. Maybe that's, um, I don't know, maybe you're interested in photography and you're like, Hey man, I'd love to take pictures of you sometime. Or, Hey, I'm just getting into photo editing. Do you mind if I edit some of your photos or, or whatever that is? But I think like the sooner you can start creating uh, meaningful relationships with people you aspire to be like the better. And one of the quotes that I really love, that was really mm, kind of life changing for me when I was in middle school and total shithead was that, you know, you're a combination of the five people you spend the most time with. And so I was like looking around and I was like, man, that dude's like ding dong ditching. This dude's like shitting on people's doorsteps. This dude's like throwing apples at cars. This dude's blowing up bathroom sinks. You know, this dude's smoking weed and like coming to school faded. I was like, huh, I do not want to be like that. So I just kind of like cut off a lot of my friends in like middle school ish. And it was a little bit lonely for a time, but from then on, I like really made an active 
an active, like a proactive um, focus to mm. communicate and to find people that I aspire to be like and to, you know, form relationships with them and hopefully learn from them. Mm. Yeah, I love it. Like networking relationships is extremely important and it's something that I realized recently, like the importance of just having a good network of like-minded people around you and similar to yourself i heard the phrase you know you are the average of the five people you spend your time with i think it's by jim rowan i'm not sure who where the original source is coming from but yeah it's absolutely true um that you know the people you spend your time with is it's really gonna dictate your life um and i admire the fact that you know you kind of cut out these people and even though you're lonely at the time it led you to a better place so i think that's extremely extremely valuable and you know when you there's this thing called the Pareto principle, and the Pareto principle means twenty percent of your actions produce eighty percent of the results. Um, and I'm curious to know what are the kind of twenty percent of the actions that produce eighty percent results in longboarding? Um, like what? Yeah, what what should people focus on when it comes to like, let's just say you're a complete beginner and you want to become a world class um skater in six weeks um how would you how would you go about doing that Mm -hmm. i think it's really interesting you bring up this principle because i think there's no way to predict the 20 percent of the things that are going to be the most impactful for you that -hmm. are going to yield the 80 percent of the results in a sec I'll, i'll go into like maybe more details on like what i would do but i think the interesting thing there is that I see a lot of people focus on, okay, well, like, is what I'm doing the things that are going to get me the results? And I don't think you really know until you do it. And so by trying so many different methods, and so maybe that's different ways to practice, different ways to warm up, uh, it's trying different social media, like you never really know what's going to give you 80% of the results. Cause like for me, two years ago, TikTok was just like some random bullshit. I got an email <laughs> from some lady that's like, Hey, we have this like cute app and basically you lip sync and whatever, but we want skaters on there. That'd be so cool to have skaters on this like app with a bunch of 12 year olds singing. And I was like, uh, hmm, okay, whatever. And so I just started putting time into it and turns out like that is something I would put in that 20% category that gives me 80% of the results mm-hmm. because they're. And just by doing it, you know, it wasn't even in the first couple of months. It was like, it was like a year after I was doing it. I found out like, okay, cool. Informative content is super popular here. And here there's a whole new audience where I can like give value to and a whole new audience that's like excited to see and learn about skating. And so like, I never would have thought that would have been one of the things, but just by constantly trying new things that, and the results from that was like, okay, cool. Now that is one of the things that brings me the most value. Mm. Um, But I think it's a lot of experimentation. You know, you could learn, like maybe you have somebody you look up to and they're like, this is how I train and this is how I do it. And this is what's super effective for me. And it's like, okay, cool, but you might try it and it might not be motivating in some way Mm. or you just feel like you're not progressing in some way. And so, yeah, I think you just have to try all different styles you know, to really know what helps you. I would say like for people that really want to be some sort of a world-class athlete, Hmm. I would talk to as many people as you can that are in the position you want to be in, ask them what they do to train and what have been like the couple things that really like took them to the next level and try all of them. You know, so some of the things that helped me is again, like at the start of every session, at the end of every session, like I make these goals and like, it doesn't matter how hungry I am, how bad I have to take a shit or like how exhausted I am. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I'm not leaving until I land this double kickflip and maybe I land it first try and it takes 30 seconds and maybe it takes me 30 minutes and 15 smashes to the shin. Um, but I think for me, like that's been something that's always motivating, you know, with skateboarding, unlike team sports, team sports are usually quite, uh, tame. Like imagine a dude playing uh, shooting free throws basketball, right? You could think of, you know, trying to work on something like a kickflip similar, 
you know, dude's like shooting his free throws, you know, someone's like high jumping. Okay. They're like high jumping over and over again, but the dude shooting free throws or throwing the shot put or whatever it is, or just dribbling the soccer ball. Um, when he messes up, he doesn't have someone run by and like kick him in the shins. And so that's one of the things with skating is like, when you mess up, it hurts, Hmm. you know? And so because of that, uh, I think there's even more, uh, it's even more powerful of a feeling when you finally land it because you had to like overcome more, you know, and same thing with surfing. Like people sit out lame waves all day and then they catch like one good wave. And because they had all that, lame time or all the time like just sitting around like waiting for something it made getting that wave or it made landing that trick so much more powerful and so much more motivating so for me on my end one of the things that's motivated me throughout you know let's say the past 10 to 15 years has been having something that no matter what I'm working on in my professional life or with school or whatever I can go out and I can go okay cool last week I landed five big spins in a row. Now I'm going to land 10 and I'm not leaving till I land 10. And so by having like that really like super, super small, uh, finite incremental growth, uh, I think it can be super motivating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's a good opportunity to finish up the podcast. Um, just before we do, I love to ask you some rapid fire questions. Um, yep. Cool. So I guess if you had 1 billion euro or dollars to spend on skating, mm. on improving skating, um, how and where would you spend it? Mm, very interesting. Uh, I'd say some sort of facility, especially like for longboarding. Um, I think, you know, partnering with ski resorts or something like this to build some sort of a summer activity program. You know, well, the thing is, once the snow dries, there's just a bunch of dirt mm. for the most part. But I think having some sort of uh, park, some sort of like downhill skate park built around facilities like this could be awesome. One of the biggest problems right now with longboarding is that there is no infrastructure. Like with snowboarding, like you go to the mountain, there's a resort, there's a hotel, it's safe, there's a ride to the top, there's food, like whatever. With longboarding, it's like you're just going out into like, I don't know, some random ass mountain pass at like six in the morning and it's like super dangerous. So I think one thing that would help a lot is having more infrastructure around this Mm. and this could be small parks you know that like are kind of built on a hill and maybe you make like a really badass sidewalk Mm. or a really badass like path that goes down it so kind of multi-purpose or partnering with the ski resorts yeah i think you could make a lot for a billion for a billion pounds or a billion uh, dollars you could make a lot of those or you could yeah. make you could make one really really cool one just spending the entire right. budget on just right, one right. facility. And it, you could, I think you could <laughs> pave an entire mountain for that price. <laughs> yeah, I definitely could. Um, and if you weren't doing skating, what else would you see yourself doing? Mm, photography. Photography. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm always like super active. Like mm. I said, I took up rollerblading, so I need something active in my life. Maybe that's surfing. Maybe that's running. I don't know something mm. there. But I think as far as like uh, a creative outlet. And, you know, maybe something that wasn't longboarding where I could have some sort of similar success doing something. I think photography also is like super interesting to me or, or video, just content creation. In, in a way, you're doing that now. So I think you're doing right. all your passions. Um, right. And what advice would you give to someone who's about to graduate and enter the real world? Kind of like you. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I think people are super unprepared. Like just from my experience in university, I am severely underprepared Mm. for the real world. Like they don't teach you taxes. They don't teach you personal finance. They don't teach you like a lot of the tactics that go into the real world. It's a lot of theory. Mm. And so I think one thing that really pisses me off or makes me flustered with a current school system is that they persuade 16, 17, 18 year old kids that like, hey, this is this awesome thing. Everyone's going. We're gonna help you find money. My name is Ashley. We're gonna we're gonna get you in. We're gonna help you. And like, I'm your friend. And like, we're doing this together. And so I think the problem is like, people pay for it, and there's almost like this false sense of reality that like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you just pay for it and you go, and then it's like awesome. Like, look at the statistics. Like, life's just better, you know. Whereas I think of it in the same way as like the fitness industry. 
it's like everyone wants to sell you a $15 milkshake that's going to like reduce fat and like burn carbs and whatever. And it's like, yeah, or you could just go on a 15 minute run. You know what I mean? Like, and so I think there's a, a, a false sense of certainty and comfortability just because people are paying for it. So um, I would, you know, give the advice of not assuming anybody is going to do anything for you and that the work is not done when you finish university. I think that's like the start. The work has just started. Like, fine, you did theory. Now it's like practicality. And practicality is a lot less structured. You have to be really structured on your own. You know, like maybe set a goal to reach out to X amount of companies. Hmm. Another big thing, LinkedIn. Nobody's using LinkedIn. They're blowing it. I could be using LinkedIn more. Um, I did for a time. But the cool part about LinkedIn is like, man, you don't have to necessarily gloat. You don't necessarily have to talk about like, oh, I did this thing in business and it's so cool. I think people don't know what to talk about on LinkedIn. But I think giving context and showing people your process of like, hey, I I learned this today or I'm working on this or, hey, here's one thing that like uh, one of my bosses taught me and that I wish I knew sooner or like just kind of contributing the platform in a way that gives context because there's Mm. so many employers on LinkedIn and it's like right now that's where you know a lot of these companies are going they're not going to facebook i mean they are sometimes to see if you're a total mm-hmm. shithead but they're going to linkedin and if you had two people in front of you and one dude's posting all the time on linkedin and and one dude isn't it's not like the dude that isn't posting on linkedin is bad or isn't relevant because he's not posting on linkedin it's just like you have so much more confidence that you know the dude that's posting you see what I'm saying? So if it's the same kind of personality or persona, but one dude is using LinkedIn a lot, like you can go through his stuff and be like, yeah, I'm pretty confident that like from everything this guy has said, and I'm pretty confident that like with the way he's doing this, that he's going to be a good fit for our company. Mm-hmm. Where if somebody's just like, hey, here's my resume. I've done a bunch of shit. It's like, okay, yeah, but there's no context over who the person is. So I think like when, you know, a hundred applications come in, and 95 of them don't have LinkedIn and there's nothing to cross-reference and there's nothing compelling, they're not even going to get looked at. you know. And so I see a lot of my friends, especially now with COVID, a lot of companies are firing people. They're not hiring. you know. I think it's getting back to normal now. Um, but yeah, when you have a lot of competition and 100 resumes coming in and they have no idea who any of you guys are, by being active on something like LinkedIn, uh, you can give them a lot more confidence and who you are as a person. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to your point earlier, you know, providing value. Like you said, provide value on Instagram, and it's the same on LinkedIn, just perhaps a different context, which is like, yeah, so that's really good advice, actually. Um, yeah, just three more rapid-fire questions for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the last five years, what is a belief, habit, or behavior that has positively influenced your life the most? Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I I can't nail it down to any specific thing, but I would say one of the biggest tipping points for me was that a year ago I realized way later than I wish I did, but I realized that nobody gives a fuck if you get 50 sets of wheels that come in the mail. Nobody gives a fuck if you can do some crazy trick or whatever. Um, And so I, I realized that you know, people follow me me on social media for their own personal reasons. They don't follow me on social media to make me feel good. And so if you're going to social media and using it as a way for you to make yourself feel better by talking about yourself, you're going to be severely disappointed and you're going to get burnt out. Mm. So I think one thing that really like reinvigorated my passion for social media was just realizing that it's other people that see my shit and they're seeing it because of their own personal reasons, you know? And so I kind of just like shifted my focus a little bit on how I came to social media instead of just trying to show the highlight reel like I was and being like, check out this cool trick, check out this, check out this, check out this. It's more like maybe the content's the same. It's still some video, but I try and like, you know, gain insight from people or I try and like teach something to somebody. And just by doing that, it's not only more valuable for people, but it's also like, 
so much more uh, rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if there was a billboard, and this does, this billboard is displayed to millions and billions of people, so the whole the whole entire world can see this billboard just chilling there in the sky. Um, what message would you put up on that billboard? A non-commercial message, so everyone can see the message that you mm. put up. What what would your message be? Mm. What is something everything everybody should see? That's hard. I think if it's too blunt, people don't even listen. If it's if it's something like don't be a dick or be nice, that's maybe a little too cliche. Um, I think listening to others is a, is a big one. Um, hmm. That's I don't know, man. I mean, I I think the answer is like so simple, like be nice. I don't know. Be considerate. Be compassionate. Yeah, absolutely. Being think, kind. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. And the final question for you is, what is your definition of chasing passion? Hmm. My definition of chasing passion is putting a, or finding something that you put all your time into and that you want to put all your time into. Love it. Brandon, it was an absolute pleasure. Um, just before we finish up, um, where can people find you? Where's a good place to go if they want to reach out to you, if they want to see what you're up to, if they want to see your future projects? Where should people go? Right. Um, Instagram is probably like the most consolidated source of information. Uh, so Instagram's at uh, D-E-S-G-N-A-R-L-A-I-S. Or you can just type in Brandon Longboard on the internet and I'm sure you'll find me. Uh, my website's a good place too, but it, it all depends. Any platform. Look, look me up on any platform. I'll be there. Right. And I'll link all these in the show notes. So for any listeners, you'll be able to find it easily enough. And any other final comments, any other final thoughts, any final remarks you want to say, anything else you want to mention before we mm-hmm. close up the podcast? Mm-hmm um no not necessarily just uh you know thanks so much for reaching out it's it was super cool i actually saw your brother's message before yours and it's like hey man my brother he's got this podcast super cool i'm a big fan blah 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 and then i go to message you and it's like you already messaged me like a week before so that was like super cool to see and and you know i really appreciate you following through with that and making the time and your busy schedule to to jump on a call and hear about my bullshit (laughs) No, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. And I really hope you enjoyed it. You can find all the show notes on the website, chasingpassionpodcast.com. Just before we finish up, would you consider leaving a short review on Apple Podcast? This will take less than 60 seconds and it'll help me out so much. You can find a link for Apple Podcast in the episode description or just search Chasing Passion on Apple Podcast and you'll find it right there. If you do enjoy the podcast, give it a share. Tell your friends. It will be super, super helpful. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.